0: This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Daniel Malloy is beginning his seventh year as Connecticut's governor. It's another year with huge challenges. He'll present his budget plan next month that will include proposals to close a $1.5 billion deficit. Now, it's not the first time he's had to find ways to plug huge budget holes since taking office in 2011. It's just one of many challenges he's confronted. And today, he's here in our studio to answer your questions. You can join the conversation, 860-275-7266. As always, email Where We Live at wmpr.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter at Live. You can also watch our conversation today on Facebook Live right now. Now, feel free to leave your question in the comment field. We'll get to some of them throughout the show. Also, thanks to the cameras of CTN for covering today's show as well. Connecticut Governor Daniel Malloy, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's nice to be here. Nice to be back, and
2: actually, first time I'm here with you.
0: It's been a, a crazy few months, so I'm glad to actually have you here. Finally, uh, right before you've got another uh, busy session before you. Um, I mentioned um, in the intro, it's your uh, you're beginning your seventh year as governor. Has it moved quickly for you as well?
2: Yeah, yeah, no. I, I look, it's a busy job. It, you know, there's lots of things. To do so, uh, uh, which I enjoy. I mean, I I like to be active and and busy, and uh, trying to address in many cases the long-term difficulties that Connecticut is having. And um, it it fell upon my administration to straighten some of that stuff out.
0: What do you think of the job you've done so far?
2: Um, What do I think of the job? I mean, as a, as a, as as, I think we've made a lot of progress. Um, I don't think people realize how much progress has been made. But in 2011, for instance, the first year I was governor, we uh, had negotiations with uh, our employee base and were able to save uh, billions of dollars in long-term obligations. That doesn't mean the job's done. It's not. Um, there's a lot of work to do. Um, we have uh, It's interesting to be the first governor to appropriately fund um, the pension obligation um, because I don't want to do to others what has been done to me. Um, uh, we've reached a, another... Uh, a mile point uh, marker, perhaps, so with respect to um, uh, flattening um, uh, in an appropriate way how we fund, getting to a higher amount quicker, but doing it over a longer period of time. Um, you know, just yesterday uh, we celebrated that Connecticut is the first state in the nation to end chronic homelessness. Now, uh, what that means is someone is chronically homeless if they've uh, been on on-homed uh, for a year in one to three. Uh, Episodes um, and has a disability that contributes to that. So many of these folks have physical or mental challenges or um, uh, dependency uh, challenges. And just this last year, we moved 1,200 people um, from homelessness um, to having a home who are in that category. No other state's done that. Just like when we ended homelessness amongst uh, chronic homelessness amongst veterans, uh, the first state in the nation to do that, one of only three states now. Uh, to have ended homelessness uh, for veterans. Um, that doesn't mean people won't become homeless. It means that we have a program to get people permanently housed within 90 days uh, for that category, those categories of individuals. Um, uh, to be the only state to do something like that is pretty darn amazing, and I'm proud of my state.
0: It's a great achievement, um, but you know traveling around the state the topic that's on the minds of many residents, many taxpayers in Connecticut is the economy. Um, you know, I'm going to bring up your approval rating from the Q poll. I know in the past when we ask uh, your administration to comment, um, they'll dismiss it and say there's a lot of hard work, especially after the recession. There have been um, improvements. But something that I thought was interesting in that poll, um, the question was asked um, if these voters thought that you really cared about them. And 61 percent of them said no. How do you respond to that? Well, um,
2: I've had to do really hard things. I mean, when I said that before, I I meant it and I'll say it again. I I don't think that the hard work that we've done to reshape Connecticut uh, is fully appreciated. You you mentioned the economy. Eighty-five thousand jobs have been created in Connecticut since the end of the last recession. Um, But if you ask citizens, uh, they would say that's not true. Well, it is true. So, if you take a poll of citizens whether we've created jobs, um, you, you know you'd get a very different answer uh, than the than the actual reality. Um, uh, to be the first uh, governor who's had to responsibly and has responsibly funded obligations, as well as restack those obligations in such a way that they are more affordable—not haven't haven't finished that job—but that they're more affordable, more predictable, and more sustainable is hard work, and and a lot of feathers get get ruffled. It would be great fun to be really popular, Um, and I know how other people have done that by not doing their job.
0: You mentioned um, a lot of the hard work that's been done in your administration, um, job recovery for one. For people who don't know that number, that 85,000 jobs have been recovered uh, since the start of the recession, in what sectors? Where are we seeing that growth?
2: Well, you know, what's really exciting is we're finally seeing it in uh, manufacturing, advanced manufacturing. I mean, I think if you would, And this was a line in my speech a week or so ago. If, if you had asked people in Connecticut um, 10 years ago whether Electric Bolt would still be here and, in fact, enlarging their employment, whether Pratt & Whitney would still be here and, in fact, have 7,700 orders for an engine that's going to be produced in Connecticut uh, or that Sikorsky would be uh, bringing a new product line to Connecticut, they would have told you you were crazy. Uh, and yet, that's what we've done. And I think, it, in in light of all of the other things, it's hard for people to put those in, in perspective. So, advanced manufacturing and the supply chain for the defense uh, and uh, advanced manufacturing industry is is growing. Um, uh, we've seen a lot of uh, a lot of jobs created in, in in a whole bunch of different areas uh, of the economy. You don't create eighty five thousand jobs without creating some of those in in, in all of. Uh, um, all of your, uh, uh, or at least most of your categories.
0: Um, we talk about job growth. There's also been uh, cuts um, in the past few years, probably more coming um, this year. Many of those layoffs through attrition, so actual So job, they're not layoffs. They're so not they're, layoffs, right. but are we going to see layoffs this year?
2: I, I think that will depend on our ability to or non-ability to reach um, uh, a different place with, with the employee unions. I, I hope we can. Uh, I think there's an appreciation that that that's probably necessary given all the circumstances. You know, again, I'll I'll go back to, you know, if you asked people whether Connecticut's uh, state government is 5,000 people smaller than it was in 2008 or whether Dan Malloy's downsized the executive branch of government by 9.2 percent, your poll would say, no, that didn't happen. But both of those things have happened.
0: Can we talk about the pension fund? You mentioned it twice. Um, There's a deal that's been reached that will... I guess, explain it to our listeners.
2: We'll get to about a, a, a fairly steady contribution of about two point three billion dollars, and this is the state um, the state employee uh, pension system. Uh, there's another pension system that the that, that the state plays the most active role in. And that's the teachers, and so that's a separate one. Um, to put it in perspective, uh, shortly before I became governor, that contribution was about uh, eight hundred million dollars a year. So. Uh, and has already reached $1.6 billion under my administration. I've had to manage um, that. 82% of the money we set aside for the state pension uh, program is actually to fund what wasn't funded previously, 82%. Um, uh, I have predecessors and legislatures and and um, bargaining units that that entered into agreements with a side agreement that my predecessors didn't have to fund it that it wouldn't be fully funded for as many as 20 years. Well, when you don't fully fund your pension system, you, in essence, have a pay-as-you-go system. Uh, And although Connecticut recognized back in 1971 they they needed to change from a pay-as-you-go system, it's never been properly funded until now.
0: So if you hadn't reached this deal with uh, the unions, with the retirement system, and I know that the legislature has been voting on that in early February, the payments to the state would actually have been, what, $6 billion?
2: They would have been um, lower for a period of time, and then they would have risen to as much as $6 billion, which is an impossibility. Um, uh, That was under an agreement that, that some of my predecessors entered into with respect to how the pension system would be funded, which was basically we won't fund
0: it. So what happens long term? So short term, this is good, right? That you've come up with this deal, not as much money going into the the pension fund that could break break the banks. I I think
2: you're missing the point. More money Mm -hmm. will be going into the pension fund for years to come Mm -hmm. um, in an effort to flatten out and avoid uh, a crisis that wouldn't be met. Mm -hmm. Um, So uh, we're getting to a higher uh, payment schedule and maintaining that higher payment schedule. Uh, but there, there's no listener in the right minds uh, to this show today that would expect our uh, pension contribution to go from 800 million dollars to six billion dollars and have government do anything else.
0: Mm-hmm. But we hear from the Republican colleagues that say that more reform needs to happen with the pension system, not just coming up with a deal so that um, as you're paying more money into the system, that it doesn't get pushed further down the road.
2: I agree. And, and, and you're having a conversation with a person who led negotiations that saved $21.5 billion. In 2011. 20, in, in 2011. What, so, what about so when, I'm not, But I'm, I just want to put this in perspective. Okay. Uh, after years of the legislature and and prior administrations not doing their job, mm-hmm. um, we're doing our job, uh, including, um, I think, uh, educating people to the challenges that, that were laid for us. Uh, there's a line in the speech, uh, State of the State speech, that that you know, in the absence, basic absence of other people having do, done their job, it's fallen on this generation to pay those bills. Mm-hmm. That's unfair. I mean, that would uh, someone should be unpopular because of that, but mm-hmm. probably shouldn't be the person who's trying to straighten it out. Uh, and and I agree, we have to make more changes. Um, but we didn't get into this hole overnight, and you're not going to get out of it overnight. Um, but I absolutely agree, uh, and and you know, the budget will reflect that.
0: Um, you're again presenting your budget uh, to the legislature next month will you I'm be great. asking will you be asking the state employee unions for more concessions I,
2: I, I, did you did you read my speech or did you so we use the c word mm.
0: but we're on the show now. I know many listeners want to know you know how are you going to help the economy even more
2: well i I think what I think helping the economy is about invest, investing i mean I think transportation is a gigantic problem in in the state of Connecticut. Um, we are not sharing uh, our fair share of New York City area growth in part because people don 't think that you can get in, into and out of Fairfield County anywhere other than Greenwich and Stamford um, from from the New York area. Uh, that growth should be spread out uh, certainly as far as Bridgeport, but we don't have a transportation system that allows that to happen. Uh, we're losing uh, opportunities and losing jobs. If you look at what's happened in the, in the, great, in the tri-state area, nine out of ten dro- jobs growth um, have actually occurred in New York City. In Brooklyn and Manhattan, in 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 particular,
0: this is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchil. Today, I'm speaking with Connecticut Governor Dan Malloy. We're getting a lot of questions from our listeners um, related to uh, state pension obligations. A listener is asking: Is it possible to negotiate concessions from current retirees and what they are currently receiving? Is that possible? Um,
2: uh, n- not not realistically. Not uh, in in. in some cases there could be adjustments to things like what's the copay on on uh, uh, medications and things like that. But if you're talking about actual pension obligations, um, uh, and I think that's what the, the question is directed to, uh, um, short of a
0: bankruptcy, I don't think so. I'll take a call now. John's calling from Manchester. John, you're on the show.
1: Hi, good morning, uh, Governor. I wanted to ask you a quick question. I was privy to um, a bill – that was proposed that would uh, put a 30 percent tax on pensions where the pensioner has moved out of the state. Say if they retire to Florida, they have 30 percent surcharge on their pension. I wanted to know, uh, one, your opinion on that, and two, if you think that's uh, actually legal. And I'll take my uh, answer off the air. Thank you.
2: Sure. No, I mean, I, it's not legal. Um, um, uh, you can't do that. Uh, there are things such as commerce clauses and and the rights of people to live in the states that they want to live and um, working for a state is not permanent servitude to that state. So um, it's a it's 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 just not legal.
0: You can ask the governor a question eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. Bills calling from Windsor Locks. Bill, you're on the show.
2: Hello. Hello. Yes. Yes, I'd like to ask the governor: uh, uh, Does he think it's fair for the, uh, the, to the taxpayers of Connecticut to a- allow a system that allows state employees to work outrageous overtime hours for only three years, thus padding their salary for their retirement? Um, what is he going to do about pension padding? Uh, I I I I don't believe it's fair. Uh, I don't th- believe it's appropriate. Lem- let me go. Let me go a little step further. Um, I was mayor of a city for 14 years. Uh, Pensions were based on base pay, not not overtime. Um, There were no automatic uh, COLAs and the pension plans were fully funded. Um, I I know what it takes to run one of these systems. I just wish that my predecessors hadn't given away the store. Uh, And getting um, benefits that have previously been negotiated out of contracts, um, quite frankly, the system is uh, set up in such a way to make that almost impossible to do. But we made some major progress uh, in '11, and we need to make some major progress now.
0: We're getting a tweet from a listener, uh, Stephen, saying that um, while we were talking about some of the achievements in your administration since 2011, he wants you to take responsibility for what you did wrong during those years.
2: Um, okay.
0: Is there anything that you think you've done wrong? I,
2: I think what we've done wrong is, is simply put, not enough. Um, uh, you know, we, we've got to keep moving. We've got to keep making. Uh, investments. Um, um, uh, you know, I think one of my disappointments was that um, uh, the legislature failed to put the lockbox issue on on uh, on the ballot. Um, and uh, a lockbox would be to say that that uh, monies that are raised for transportation can only be spent on transportation. Um, now, having said that, that's what I'm doing, um, but I believe that that should be part of our state constitution. So, that um, what other people have done, um, and which I changed uh, over the first few years that I became governor, was that money for transportation would only be spent. One of the reasons that we are underinvested in transportation um, uh, is just that, that, that monies were diverted from, from that cause. You know, we compete with New York and we compete with Boston. Both of those jurisdictions have spent massive amounts on transportation um, at a time that we have spent almost nothing. Um, and so it takes a while. i guess i 'm disappointed how how long it takes to change uh, the, uh, the trajectory of, of a state uh, with respect to issues like transportation uh, but but it's, uh, but it 's important to get done. I think on the education side, I, I think we need to make a lot more progress uh, pre k through twelve. Um, I wish we had universal pre kindergarten. We have something approaching that, but we don 't have it yet um, that 's a disappointment. Uh, I wish the economy was more robust so that we could pay for that so that no child would be denied uh, a quality uh, pre-kindergarten learning experience. Uh, But I I believe um, as we sort out our long-term and short-term obligations, we're going to get there.
0: I'll take one more call before the break. Jackie's uh, calling from West Hartford. Jackie, you're on the show.
3: Hi. How are you? Good. What's your question Um, or comment? Great. Great. First, Governor, I'd like to thank you for your service. I know it's a hard job, and I really appreciate everything you and your colleagues are doing. Thank you. Uh, Having said that...
2: I knew there um, there was a second part.
3: (laughs) Well, of course there's a second part. doesn't mean I don't appreciate everything you're doing. I
2: got it. I got it.
3: Um, I have a question about the tax burden. I've been living in the state for, oh, about 20 years. I moved up from Virginia, Mm -hmm. and I still have a lot of friends in Virginia, and quite honestly... The tax difference is huge. And I'm talking state and local, not federal. Um, I think I was just looking online. Our state and, lo- state and local tax burden for the median income is about 10 grand. I think we're the highest in all the states. And I personally think that has a direct correlation to people leaving the state, you know, both retirees and people like myself, you know, between state and local taxes. Uh, in West Hartford, there's the property tax, our mill rate. I know you've talked about mill rates. Um, it's really hard to live here and I love living here. I travel around the country. This is the nicest state. We have incredible universities, Yukon, Central, in my own town of West Hartford, you know, Saint Saint Joseph. We have incredible schools, incredible elementary schools. We have we we educate amazing, amazing people of all ages and they can't Stay here. Um, it's hard for me to stay here, and I love living here. It's a beautiful state. We're well educated. We can do so much for employers. Um, you know, I I personally think our state motto, instead of "Still Revolutionary," should say "Should say." Guess what? We're not North Carolina. I mean, we are an amazing place to live and work.
2: So, I just feel the tax
3: burden is choking us. Can you help? Sure. Anyone?
2: I'm trying. Um, uh, So to put it in perspective and and again talking about what people actually recognize, I think most people think that I'm spending far more money per year than any of my predecessors, and the opposite is true. Uh, Increased expenditures on the statewide basis have been uh, at the smallest numbers and, in fact, were were, were minus numbers last year or in the current uh, fiscal year. Um, I think the problem with Connecticut is, A, it, it hasn't grown, and I would say that part of that lack of real vital uh, growth – and Fairfield County has experienced growth when in balancing off some, some of the other areas. But, but uh, the lack of growth means that folks got in the habit of going back to the well and going back to the well. But they didn't just go back to the well to get more money. Uh, they then made promises uh, to people for – of political purposes that were not in the best interest of of the state government, Um, made them popular to to give more money and more promises and and more benefits to to folks uh, with a side agreement not to fund those. Uh, I I, I sign on to everything you just said, and and every day I work at that, every single day. um, We're looking for ways to to spend our money far more efficiently. For instance, in our criminal justice system, uh, and specifically in corrections, um, uh, you know we cut seventy million dollars out of the budget, uh, lowest prison population uh, in a very, very long time, uh, I think going back to the early '90s um, uh, lowest crime rate in fifty years. Recidivism is down uh, we 're doing something right um, uh, we've in the last three years, not including the one that just ended because we don 't have the actual statistics yet, uh, Connecticut had the largest drop um, uh, in violent crime of any state in the nation. Uh, And we did it by more than 30 percent over the the next uh, lowest uh, or the next largest drop in violent crime. Um, uh, That allows us to save money. This whole issue that I referenced previously about uh, ending chronic homelessness. The, the problem with those who are chronically homeless is they then eat up all kinds of additional services. They're at the hospital emergency room on a regular basis. They don't maintain health care. They don't maintain a job. They're not, they're not able to, to contribute. Every time we – I will go so far as to say that, that if you look at the 1,200 people that we moved from chronic homelessness in the past 12 months – uh, we're saving a, a tremendous amount of money, now, maybe not on every one of those, but on a, on a aggregate basis uh, by having done that. Somebody should have done that years ago. Uh, and I'm not just talking about seven years ago. I may, maybe we should have gotten it done uh, earlier. But no other state has done it. Um, and uh, all of these things, uh, it, the bad decisions over uh, – Multiple generations don't get changed uh, in a single generation. Um, but you can make yearly progress, and, and I think that's how we have to measure that. Now, that may not be enough to keep you in the in the state. And by the way, I, I always like to point out that a lot of people retire to warmer weather because they like warmer weather. Um, they don't all unnecessarily leave because of of high taxes. And if you look at the number of people who move to, to warmer weather um, but keep a residence here, it's pretty high as well. Having said that, I actually agree with you. I really do.
0: So, what are some ways to change that perception? You mentioned that you are cutting spending, there are savings happening, but when we talk about places where people want to go, you mentioned warm weather, or if someone's young and they're out of college, they want to go to Boston or New York.
2: Or Stanford or New Haven,
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh, and hopefully in the future, uh, Bridgeport uh, and Hartford. Uh, you know, we, we've brought 1,100 units online in downtown housing in. in in Hartford, and they're renting up. I, 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 just put that in perspective: 1,100 units in a relatively short period of time, and they're renting up very rapidly. Um, uh, that will make Hartford more more vital. Um, uh, doing something about the high property taxes uh, in those urban environments. Uh, that you've talked about or that I just referenced is a very important part of the long term strategy. You know, in America, we pursued a large policy for most of the last 50 years that if you wanted to live in a city, you were going to pay higher taxes, have higher crime, um, and not have as good of schools. We need to change that dynamic in our own, in our own state. Um, there shouldn't be a penalty to live where you want to live, there probably should be a plus.
0: We're going to hear more about some of your plans for 2017. Take more of your calls. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalbathanchel. We're going to come back just in a moment, but here's our phone number, 860 275 You can also watch this conversation live on Facebook. Look for At Where We Live. This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. In studio with me today, Connecticut Governor Daniel Malloy. He's here to answer questions about the challenges ahead and take your com Questions and join the conversation eight six zero two seven five seven two six six. You can email us at where we live at wmpr Find us on Facebook and Twitter at where we live. Uh, Governor Malloy, uh, we wanted to ask you about uh, new revenue streams, and one of our listeners is also um, asking about this on Facebook, and that is, uh, what chance is there to get tolls similar to what Massachusetts has? No toll boats. No no toll booths needed, rather. We would only need them on the borders. We'd raise enough to pay back the price of that toll technology. What are your thoughts? Uh,
2: border tolls will not be approved by the federal government, um, uh, just as the system that you reference in uh, Massachusetts is not border, border tolls. It's, it's the tolling of a road system in its entirety. Um, and the federal policy against border tolls is is pretty significant and has been exercised uh, relatively recently uh, in the case of uh, Rhode Island. So we, if we're going to have a toll discussion, we should have a mature one about what, what is legal and what is not legal and simply having tolls at, at your border is not legal. Um, uh, I would prefer that the legislature had approved for the citizenry to approve, and I'm sure they would have, a lockbox that would make sure that any money is raised, including from any other source that might be added Uh, would only be spent on on transportation. I've I've often said that that really needs to be the precursor to a broader discussion. Having said that, since they didn't do that, we are running out of transportation dollars because people are going further and further on the same gallon of gas, uh, and lots of cars are not even using gas or or oil, for that matter. So we better do something soon um, to resolve that issue. Otherwise, the plans, including the designs and the engineering that we're doing currently, Uh, will not uh, come to fruition because there'll be insufficient amounts of money to spend. Back to the tolls, uh, even if we were to decide today we wanted tolls, and I don't think there's a political consensus yet that that's the case, uh, it would take probably four years to uh, institute uh, from the time that that an from the time the legislature acted. So it's not a panacea to our immediate problems. Um, And um, uh, I think we missed uh, when... When Republicans uh, in the legislature blocked um, a supermajority vote to get it on the ballot last November, we lost uh, uh, time. And, and I think that, that, that that's costly to the state.
0: Uh, another tweet from Roger. A lot of transportation talk, but how can the governor address why infrastructure is so expensive to build? He writes, Metro North is just sad.
2: Is just what?
0: Metro North is just sad, he says. Actually, in Metro North,
2: um, we've made some really dynamic uh, improvements um, um, in uh, Metro North in Connecticut. Um, it's not where it should be. It's not. I'm not happy where it is, um, but it's a lot better than it was two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. Um, the catenary system replacement will be completed years in advance of when that was scheduled. That was not scheduled to be done, I think, until 2022. Uh, we'll have it done uh, sometime next year. So we're cutting uh, uh, four years off of that schedule. Um, uh, signalization, uh, modernization is underway as we speak, not just on the main line, but on uh, the uh, uh, the other, uh, other lines as well. Uh, we've increased the new car order very substantially. The fleet uh, serving uh, the New York uh, route um, has entirely been replaced. Um, So we are making improvements, and and a lot of our early transportation spending is, in fact, directed at mass transit. I'd also like to see the bus system expanded uh, very substantially. Uh, And we have a real success to point to with uh, Connecticut Fast Track, which is this um, short line, about 8.3 miles, if I remember correctly. Um, Somebody will correct me if I'm wrong about that. But uh, uh, between Hartford and and New Britain, so much so that people east of the river – want an expansion of that kind of service um, uh, east of uh, the the Connecticut River.
0: And what's going on with uh, the rail between New Haven and Springfield?
2: Uh, That will open um, uh, sometime next year, um, as early as January, as late as perhaps spring. Um, In part, uh, it might be delayed because we have appropriated more money to double track more of that system, and it might make sense to um, uh, uh, hold off even though the bulk of the system will be completed uh, until we get the the final uh, segment that we uh, we're double tracking you know that was once a four track system um, uh, which was discontinued and then torn up uh, piece by piece by piece, so that that system will, in fact be a brand new system. Uh, of uh, of tracks from New Haven to Hartford to Springfield and hopefully well beyond.
0: This is where we live. I'm Lucy Nolpethanchel. Governor Daniel Malloy is here to take your calls and questions, 860-275-7266. Michael's calling from Meriden. Michael, what's your question?
1: Hi, Daniel Malloy. Uh, how you doing? Good, thank you. Um, I wanted to ask you what Connecticut's plans for uh, medical and recreational cannabis use is as far as it pertains to the budget. and well, I- uh, and just as a, a comment, um, I, I'm a recent uh, new home buyer, and um, because of the mill rate for where I live in Meriden, I mean, my my taxes, property taxes are almost almost half of my mortgage, which amazes me. Um, and I know somebody commented on that earlier, but uh, my main question was just about recreational and medical cannabis in the state and what your plans are for that.
2: Let, let me just ask you a question. What, do, you, do you know what your, tax, your property taxes are in, in Meriden?
1: The mill rate? No,
2: yo, know, mill rate or how much your total taxes are?
1: Um, total tax for my house is about uh, four four hundred dollars a month or something. Right.
2: I I mean, that's that's a big tax bill. Um, I I think uh, uh, we should uh, find a way to effectively cap mill rates. Um, I I think the disparity that exists from communities that have uh, very low mill rates to communities that are really making a comeback like Meriden, And we're doing some amazing work down down there. Um, uh, is you know doesn 't allow us to make the kind of progress that we 'd like to see so I, I I do think that that property taxes are a big issue um, uh, that doesn 't mean it 's a universal issue because there are places where the mill rates are are relatively low um, uh, the, the, the cannabis you 've asked i you know i i 've said this before i 'm not an endorser of cannabis use um, uh, i you know I led the drive to decriminalize it in two thousand eleven Um, I led the drive um, and pushed it over uh, to completion to to have medical marijuana. Um, I'm personally not in favor of endorsing its use. um, And uh, and I think how much money you get out of something is not the right judgment to make about whether we should be in the business of endorsing it.
0: Obviously, there's lots of stress on cutting uh, spending. But when we talk about new revenue streams, what are the options out there?
2: Um, well, no one. Want, I mean, I listen. You want to talk about m- more taxes? I, I don't. I mean, I. I it's I, a question I,
0: people have. Sure. No.
2: I. No. 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 I'm not picking on you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can take it.
2: Uh, yeah. No. No. I I, I. I. Listen. We have a gigantic um, uh, issue to deal with. It's uh, um, uh, you know $1. 1.5, $1. 1.7 billion dollar um, uh, adjustments we need to make to the budget to to not raise taxes at all. Um, uh, that that would be my preference, whether that's possible uh, based on agreements that we have to reach with uh, folks to to get to a point where we can manage that kind of change. Um, So, uh, you know, there there are all kinds of, you know, you can you can raise money any way you want. It's government. Um, What I would prefer to do is that we raise uh, uh, that we take care of our problems to a, a far greater extent by resolving those problems than simply going back to the well. Um, having said that, unfortunately you know I, – I, I've had to be governor uh, during a period of time when the bills finally came due um, with respect to long-term obligations. And at the same time, certain revenue sources started to shrink very substantially, not the least of which is uh, gaming uh, in Connecticut at, at our uh, two lar- – some of the largest in the world uh, casinos – um, th- that revenue has dropped precipitously. Um, uh, I- I've had to deal with shrinking revenue, um, uh, and people forget that as well.
0: Um, there are There is a push to have a third casino. Um, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Yeah, I, here's, a, here's another ambivalence for me. I'm, I'm not a big um, casino person. I mean, I, I grew up in an America where there was exactly one place where you could go legally gamble, and that was Nevada. And Uh, In some senses, I think that might have been a better United States. Having said it, you can't argue that gaming has become ubiquitous. And how we manage um, those assets in in light of challenges uh, coming at us from states that had not been in the gaming business and decided to get into the gaming business um, I I think is a legitimate question. But it's not one where I intend to lead the discussion – um, but it's one that, that I will participate in, in the appropriate management of.
0: We'll take more calls now. Greg's holding from Fairfield. Greg, you're on the show.
2: Uh, thank you very much, Governor. Um, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Thank you very much. So I'm a, I'm a New York lifetime resident that moved to the state of Connecticut, actually, after doing quite a bit of traveling around the world. And so I, I just want to ask a question. Sure. And then I'm going to um, give you an opportunity to answer And I want to thank you for your courage in, uh, in taking on the fiscal problems of the state at this time. Thank you. Um, but this is a bipartisan question, and uh, here it goes. All right. So, uh, why are millennials and future generations expected to, expected to accept less than an affordable education, a living wage, and a secure retirement? Because it seems that the fiscal crisis that faces us right now. This is exactly what my generation is, is, is looking at. So I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. Well, I, I, don't, I don't think that that should be the equation, quite frankly, and, and I've done lots of things to try to make sure that that is not the final equation that plays out in the state of Connecticut. Uh, that doesn't mean that you can do things that you can't afford to do as a state. But it does mean that we can make appropriate adjustments. We had the best implementation of ACA, um, Obamacare, uh, in the country. Other people get that, that title. We actually had the best implementation. Um, uh, we have dropped uh, 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 to such an extent our uninsured, uh, uh, individ- number of uninsured individuals. That makes a difference in people's lives. I mean hundreds of thousands of people's lives uh, in, in, our own, um, in our own state. Um, uh, increasing the minimum wage uh, from where it was to now $10.10 has brought relief. Um, uh, paid sick leave for hourly uh, workers has brought um, relief and made lives better. Um, uh, but I but I, I agree with you. The idea that the federal government makes money, um, and, and I'm not – maybe they should make a little money on student loans, but that they make massive amounts of money on student loans uh, is patently unfair. Um, uh, and is anti investment that the family or individuals making in their own education so that that should change um, i I think that there are lots of things that we need to get done uh, and i honestly i I try to take those things on. Uh, On a daily basis, I look for the kind of uh, inequities that that you're referencing and the unfairness uh, of it all at the same time that I struggled to to deal with a state that made really bad decisions for a really long period of time and yet is one of the most beautiful and productive um, and interesting and safe and healthy places to live in the world.
0: There's a lot of good um, pluses, but the perception, again, when you're out of Connecticut, you hear people complain here about Connecticut and the cost of living, the business climate. When you're out of Connecticut, people aren't hearing what you just said, the positives. How can Connecticut do a better job marketing itself?
2: Well, I, I mean, I think, uh, I think people have a uh, – I think on a national basis, as somebody who gets around the nation, Connecticut actually has a much more favorable uh, view uh, from the outside than it does the inside. And, and I sometimes I joke that you know Connecticut's the place where the glass that can only be half empty was invented. Um, You know, I I, I could just riff off. We're we're the best readers and we're the best readers in 12th grade in the nation. We're tied as the best readers in eighth grade in the nation Uh, uh, after five years of decline. In uh, high school graduation rates, we've had five years of increase in graduation rates and now graduate a higher percentage of of our uh, students than ever before. And quite frankly, it means more because we have more uh, children living in poverty uh, taking advanced placement courses and passing those courses as one measurement. I mean I I could riff on really great stuff about Connecticut um, including the fact that we're actually for the first time in our history – Uh, effectively, uh, albeit on a long-term basis, dealing with our deficiencies in transportation, in funding of our long-term obligations, in fairness to our population, in improving our health. Uh, we're, We're one of the top three healthiest states in the nation, even though our senior population is the seventh largest. Imagine that. We, we managed to be one of the healthiest places in the, in the country even though the audience of people who get sick and cost a lot of money is larger in our state than it is in other states. That's remarkable. But, but nobody wants to celebrate er, 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 everything. They want everything to be perfect overnight, and that's just not realistic. A, a, listen, I, I could tell you I could do it. I, mean, I, 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 I know the words. I'm going to solve everything today. Um, but it wouldn't be true. Uh, On the other hand, I'm going to go back to the office and work really hard to resolve the things that I can resolve today uh, and lay plans to resolve the things that I can't resolve today to resolve them in the future.
0: We do want to ask you your plans to help make education more equitable across the state. We need to take another break, and we'll get to more calls. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy nall That at number 860-275-7266. This is Where We Live. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today, I'm speaking with Connecticut Governor Dana Malloy, who's live in studio. You can see the conversation on Facebook Live if you search at Where We Live. We've got a number of callers who want to ask you a few questions, uh, Governor. But, you know, I wanted to ask you about um, state aid and how that's going to change um, in this new uh, session.
2: Well, I, again, I, I will go back to uh, it's a broader discussion about how much money we spend, about $5.2 billion of the state budget, which is about $19 billion to $20 billion. Uh, so, so uh, about 22 percent of that actually goes to local governments um, and or directly or indirectly supports local governments. So it's a big, gigantic part of our budget. And in reflecting on the budget and the uh, inequality um, of things like mill rates and, uh, uh, and who has the largest amount of uh, non-taxable property um, – Uh, we probably need to spend that money more wisely and we probably need to spend it in such ways that it makes it more likely that communities will make a comeback than less likely.
0: So um, you've made remarks, uh, I think it was lately, to the the group that represents small towns uh, cost um, about how um, state aid will need to be... Allocated more fairly to municipalities that really need it, that have that that um, that burden because they don't have a lot of tax revenue to pull from, such as Hartford. Uh, Mayor Luke Bronin, who used to be in your administration, has been traveling around to the suburbs saying that you know, for Hartford to succeed and to not to go bankrupt, we need to to help the city. Um, so, what can these small towns expect if they're not going to see that that same state aid? Um, what's the you know, what's their what's their future in terms of when we talk about? Um, the fact that people are worried about high taxes?
2: Um, well, I think let's talk about that. I, mean, I, I think that, that a formula needs to take into account what the local tax obligation is as well as the other obligations such as education uh, or concentrations of poverty. Uh, but what we've designed is a, a system that largely ignores that, um, and, and that's not a good system. So I think what everyone should expect is fairness.
0: There was a a formula, education cost sharing, is that right? ECS. Um, I've heard from advocates that's never really fully been funded. Um, so how will you if you're going to give more money to municipalities that need it um, to help with such things as education costs, how do you hold them accountable?
2: Well, you know people say lots of things um and ignore lots of things so so you know if if something in column a isn't just right, you criticize that and you ignore the fact that column b you might be getting more money than you than than you had anticipated uh, for instance uh, uh, we we disperse money to, in lots of different ways to 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 local governments at five point two billion dollars, which by the way has gone up since i've been governor, not down um but i but i think there there is a uh, a reality that um, uh, we need a system that's fair. Um, and, I, and, you know, I, I, people can disagree with me. I, I don't – that's legitimate and, and the legislature will have a role to play. But how, how do you expect Hartford to make the kind of comeback that we want it to make uh, when – it's uh, – mill rate is as high as 76 mills and if you adjust it because it's the one jurisdiction where housing uh, under four units is, are assessed differently than they are anywhere else in the state, it still comes into something that's in the high 50s uh, compared to a community that's on its borders where the mill rate's in the 20s. I mean it just – how, how do you expect that to happen? How do you expect people to make – uh, large-scale investments and keep their employees uh, in a jurisdiction, uh, which has that kind of mill right. Mm-hmm. So we got to address it. Uh, the, the, back to Luke Bronan, he, he doesn't listen. I told him not to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he went out and did it, and and, uh, and he's doing a great job.
0: Let's take some calls. Uh, Kimberly is calling from East Haven. Kimberly, you're on the show.
1: Good morning, Governor Malloy. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking the time this morning to explain to us some of our budget challenges. Um, so a lot we had heard from this woman from West Hartford talking about her tax burden, but then she went on to explain what those taxes pay for. How we have great schools here. Um, I have a lot of Connecticut pride. I really believe that um, you know we we care very much about um, our our impoverished people here. We believe in in providing Medicaid and, and state services. Um, and so I, I don't I don't prescribe to the notion that our taxes are are, are too high, though um, though I do think that our richest one percenters um, aren't paying their fair share. So what can we do as a state to ensure that we're closing corporate tax loopholes and that we're raising income taxes on our highest earners so that our one percenters here in the state are
2: sharing the burden. So, so our one percenters in our State pay 35 percent of all income tax in the State? I, I just want that to see, sink in. One percent pays 35 percent of all. Um, and this this concept that we can simply keep raising money disproportionately on a population of people compared to other States and expect those people to remain in our State um, um, is uh, you know, I, I think a fallacy. It uh, doesn't mean that that we don't ask everyone to do more. Uh, I think we we have done that, um, and including having raised uh, uh, taxes on that one percent. But the idea that 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 you can have a goose that lays golden eggs and eat it and still have eggs produced doesn't make any sense. So I think finding the right balance is what we need to strive for um and by the way that 1% wasn't responsible for the state not funding its obligations which is the reason we're in the mess we're in um uh, any more than the bottom 1% was responsible for. It. So we we're in this together folks. This is this is hard work making A state that our children will be happy in, healthy in, well-educated in is hard work given how far behind we allowed ourselves to become. But having said all of that, we're making progress every single day.
0: Um, We've only got about a few more minutes left, uh, Governor, but I did want to ask you about Second Chance. It's something that you've gotten a lot of attention for, um, a few proposals that didn't make it through the legislature last year. I think it was bail reform and then also raising the age of juvenile jurisdiction. Um, Do you anticipate bringing those up again this session and why?
2: He's back. Um, Yeah, of course I do. I don't think people should be in jail because they're poor. Um, uh, I think they should be in jail because they present risks. Um, uh, to themselves or to others, uh, but not because they're poor. Um, uh, somebody who can't make bail of $100 because they don't have it in their pocket the day they were arrested, we shouldn't be putting up at a cost of $168 a day. It doesn't make sense.
0: Is there anything in the, in the proposal that you're changing so that the legislature will approve it?
2: Uh, well, I, I think if, if if they had called a vote, it would have been approved last year. Um, uh, but but, yeah well we I always listen to people i I hear their suggestions and and they 'll be reflected in legislation but the but the legislation will have the same purpose um, and and that is to save the taxpayers of the state of Connecticut uh, a lot of money, and secondly uh to be consistent with our own constitution. Our constitution basically says you can't be incarcerated because you 're poor and yet we 're doing
0: it. And what about raising the age of juvenile jurisdiction?
2: Doesn't that make sense? I mean I'll give you an example.
0: I think um, the legislators worried about some people that had violent backgrounds that might have been able – eligible for this. So how do, you, how do you fix that concern? Well, I mean violent background. If
2: somebody goes out and murders some, somebody, that's different than somebody had a fight in a school. But both are violent. Do we really want to take a, an 18-year-old kid who gets in a fight with a 17-year-old kid and have the 18-year-old end up with a criminal record and not have the 17-year-old end up with a criminal record? Do we really want to penalize ourselves and that individual to the same extent because a police officer was in the school and arrested them both for fighting? I mean, I, I, listen, I had fights when I was in high school. Um, but I lived in a different world where we didn't simply d- jump to the prospect of permanently punishing someone. And I think that, that that's part of what happened in America. Um, because we saw crime uh, rising rapidly, we overreacted. I'm just trying to set the, uh, the, the level back to where, where it needs. Violent offenders, folks listening today, um, are doing more time in Connecticut than ever before under any other governor. And yet our prison population is falling because we're doing a better job of keeping young people out of jail to the tune of uh, well in excess of 50 percent fewer young people going to jail. You know what you get when you go to jail, when you go to prison? You get an advanced degree in criminal behavior. We should stop giving them out to the greatest extent that we can while we continue to drop crime and particularly violent crime in our state.
0: Just another minute left. Uh, Governor Malloy um – Next Friday, we're going to have a new president in the White House. Um, what What are your thoughts on President-elect Donald Trump?
2: I I, I disagree with him profoundly on many big policy issues. Um, ACA perhaps is is the the one that will affect more people more immediately than than anything else. That's Obamacare. Um, uh, on the other hand, uh, I will mark that occasion as I think we should, as Americans, that this is a day where, in our democracy, we peacefully hand over from one party to another um, uh, the presidency, and 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 I think that's an important celebration that we should have. Uh, and then we should go back to uh, uh, fighting about important policy issues. And and I'm and, and I'm going to use my voice to do
0: that. Real quick, uh, you mentioned ACA. If it's repealed, and replaced as uh, the administration um, is saying. What would happen to how many people are going to be affected by this in Connecticut?
2: They oh hundreds of thousands. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and not and, and not to the positive.
0: I want to thank Connecticut Governor Dana Molloy for coming in and taking our calls and uh, our comments uh, from our listeners. The hour goes by too quickly. We'd like to have you back. I'll come back. Before the session yeah, ends. I, I like your voice. I'll come back. <laughs> That's it? That's, <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I like you as well.
0: I know, I know. I understand you're a porcupine, Governor yeah, yeah, Molloy. There you go. I appreciate your time. Thanks again. Thank you. Our producers are Lydia Brown and Jeff Tyson. Executive producer, Katie Talarski. Technical producer, Kayon Wolf. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Thanks for listening.